in due time. The mighty hand of God. The mighty hand of God. Say that phrase with me. Will you ready? The mighty hand of God. As long as I live, I want my life to be led and directed by the mighty hand of God. The mighty hand of God is the most powerful force in the universe. In fact, the mighty hand of God is the only truly powerful force in the universe. Why? Because it's the only force that can overpower any of the others. The mighty hand of God always does what is good and right. The mighty hand of God always leads his children to the very best destinations. The mighty hand of God knows who you are, knows your name, knows your hurts, knows your dreams, your fears, your weaknesses, your obstacles, and longs to lead you forward to God's very best for your life. There is no challenge, wherever you are in life, whatever makes you say, yeah, I'd like to do that, but. Now I bet in every person's heart here this morning, there's some element of, I'd like to live for God, but. And it may be a very real obstacle. But there is no obstacle that the mighty hand of God cannot help you to overcome. Not a one. There's no lack or need that the mighty hand of God cannot fill for you. When you're led by the mighty hand of God, your potential has no limits and your opportunity has no boundaries. As long as you're led By the mighty hand of God, you will never, ever be forsaken or abandoned. The mighty hand of God will teach you how to dream the biggest of dreams. It will train you to pursue those dreams. And it will empower you to arrive at the place where you'll see those dreams come true. When you're led by the mighty hand of God, you will struggle. But your struggles will always have a purpose. You will suffer. But all your suffering will ultimately be productive. You'll be called upon to serve and to sacrifice again and again. But your rewards will be abundant and eternal. The mighty hand of God can navigate every wilderness, help you avoid every pitfall and trap, cross every desert, maneuver through every storm, overcome every setback, and endure every attack and ambush. The mighty hand of God will take you safely and successfully across the very best finish line 
of your life. Nothing and nobody is qualified to successfully lead you through this crazy battlefield of life except for the mighty hand of God. That's why I said as long as I live, I want my life to be directed and led by the mighty hand of God. And just in case you want that too, let me show you some things that the Bible says about how to make that happen. Humble yourselves therefore under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you. In due time, if your Bible is still open to 1 Peter 5, verse 6, read that whole verse with me. Ready? Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time. Let's read it again. Ready? Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time. Christian, do you realize this is a promise of God? This is a God-ordained strategy and game plan for life. The question is whether or not you will choose to follow it. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time. In order to be led by the mighty hand of God, You've got to do some things. First of all, you've got to learn to trust the mighty hand of God. Everybody trusts something to lead them through life. Even if you don't realize that you're trusting something. The older you get, the more set we are in what we trust and what we don't trust. Far too many people trust just what everybody else is doing. What do they do? What do they? What, what, oh, everybody seems to be doing this. So, so this is what I'm going to trust is the right way. That's a dangerous path to trod, because the Bible says, "Broad is wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leads to destruction. Many there be that go in thereat." That's a dangerous strategy, but a lot of people follow it. They trust just what everybody else is doing. Some people trust the experts. You know, if a celebrity says it, it must be true. And I'm not trying to be funny here, until they hang themselves. Then what good is their expertise? Some people trust anything you read in a magazine. I saw it online. They said it on The View. I'm going to follow it. It must be true. That's another dangerous way to go. Some people just trust their own inclinations. But that's dangerous because the Bible says in Jeremiah that the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? When you trust your own heart, you don't even know that you're deceiving yourself and you're being deceived. You're the deceiver and the deceived at the same time when you trust your own heart. And you can't even see it. That's what that verse says. It's a dangerous way to go. What if we trusted God like we trust our phones. Look, if you're, if you're a teenager or younger, you don't even realize that there was a day when people didn't walk around like this. <laughs> it really is unbelievable. And, and it's not going to end with this. It's going to wind up being implanted 
I mean, that's because look, everything develops into something more advanced, and that's that's the next step. It's going to become a part of us. But what if we trusted God like we trust our phones? You know, I got to check my app before I can make that decision. Oh, let me see what the weather's going to be. Let me see what my balance is. Oh, hey, oh, oh, I don't know about that. Let me let me Google that. What if we trusted God like we trusted our phones? You ever you ever know somebody? And maybe you're guilty of it. Maybe we're all guilty of it to some extent. That just freaks out if they don't have access to their phone. Because that's how dependent we are. What if we were that dependent upon God for leadership? But the fact is, one of the greatest challenges of faith is to learn to trust a God that you can't see or hear or touch. It's a great challenge. It's not easy. But it's necessary. If you want to be led and directed by the mighty hand of God, you have got to learn to trust In a God you cannot see, you cannot hear, you cannot touch. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 5 verse 7, we walk by faith, not by sight. While the rest of the world, while popular opinion causes us to walk by sight, we walk by faith. What does it mean to walk by faith? It means taking God at his word. Letting our lives be directed by the word of God. And that is a completely different way of living than what most people do. When you begin to seek God, you learn very quickly that you can trust his word and you can trust his character. So if you want to be led by the mighty hand of God, you've got to learn to trust the mighty hand of God. But not only that, you've got to submit to the mighty hand of God. Submitting to the mighty hand of God is a constant process. Your will has to die so that Jesus Christ can live through you. And your will keeps sprouting up again and again. Because we have a sinful human nature that is constantly promoting ourselves, putting ourselves in the driver's seat. So we have to many times a day remind ourselves That everything that is dangerous, everything that will destroy us was crucified with Jesus on the cross. And go back to him and say, all right, Lord, I am dead to sin through, through Jesus Christ. I'm crucified. I'm there with you and you live through me. That's submitting to the mighty hand of God. Listen to what Paul said in Galatians 2.20, very well-known verse, and we even have a scripture song that goes with it, but it's very important. Sometimes sometimes we can grow dull of hearing a verse. We've heard it so much that when it's quoted, we don't hear it anymore. And this is maybe one of those verses, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I But Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, in my body, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. We've all many times, especially when we take the Lord's Supper, maybe other occasions like Easter and 
other events, we have pictured ourselves standing at the cross and watching Jesus be crucified. Have you ever pictured yourself standing at the cross and watching yourself be crucified? I don't mean that you had the nails put in your hands and your feet and you had the spear, you wore the crown of thorns. I don't mean that. I mean that when Jesus died, your old sinful nature died. When you trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior, you embraced the crucifixion as putting your sinful nature to death. Now, if you want Jesus to live through you, you have got to regularly, on purpose, visit the cross. And be reminded, as Paul said here, I am crucified with Christ. See, this is not a separate subject from being led by the mighty hand of God. You can only be led by the mighty hand of God if Jesus Christ lives through you. And Jesus will only live through you if you acknowledge and re-acknowledge and re-acknowledge, or as the Bible says, the word is reckon means the same thing as acknowledge and re-acknowledge. That when Jesus died, you died. Your will died. Your flesh died. Your wicked desires died. Your pride, your agenda died with Christ. And you tell him that, Lord, I, I, I acknowledge I am crucified with Christ. And I want Jesus to live through me today. Hey, you're going to have to do it later in the day too. Because your pride's going to sprout back up. Your old nature, your old... And and there's going to be things around you that rekindle that pride. You're going to hear a song by accident. You're going to see something on television. You're going to come across somebody. You're going to have something say, hey, you're going to have somebody pull out in front of you. That's going to revive that pride and that sinful flesh and all that anger. you got to keep going back to God and saying, I'm crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. If you want to be led by the mighty hand of God, you've got to learn to trust the mighty hand of God. You've got to submit to the mighty hand of God. Not only that, but you've got to desire only the promotion That comes from God. Listen carefully. You've got to desire only the promotion that comes from God. See, life offers a lot of opportunities that look like great shortcuts. But they turn out to be dead end streets. Or here's the way God says it. Proverbs 14, 12. There's a way which seemeth right unto a man. Look at this great opportunity. But the end thereof are the ways of death. Look, it looks like a a great shortcut. Like, oh, I don't know, a lottery ticket. How many years ago when they they had a song that uh, if I had a million dollars, 
And all, oh, if I had a million dollars and, and all, the, all the things I could do. And uh, really, how many Americans live their life dreaming about how, be- how much better their lives would be if they could just get that shortcut of winning what it would take a lifetime to earn? A lot of shortcuts. It looks like shortcuts, but they wind up being dead ends. If you want to be led by the mighty hand of God, make up your mind that you only want the opportunities that following God provides. In other words, here comes an opportunity, but in order to take that out, you say, man, if I did this, I'd, I'd get a good job, I'd have a good income, I'd have a good, nice house, I have, all this would fall in place. And then, of course, after I'd taken that shortcut and everything works out great, then I'll live for God. never works out that way. You take the shortcut, it ultimately takes you away from God. But when you say, you know what, I I decided to be led by the mighty hand of God. And since that opportunity will take me away from God's people and God's house, I'm going to have to let it go. Since that opportunity will cause me to have to, hey, this is going to be a great sales opportunity for you. You're going, to, you're going to make great commission. It's going to be awesome. But now you're going to have to sell some things that you kind of don't believe. You're going to have to sell some, you know, some, some liquor. You're going to have to sell uh, some, some, some you know, things you, that you don't agree with. But, boy, it's a great opportunity. And you're going to have to make those decisions. Make up your mind, if you're going to be led by the mighty hand of God, you're going to have to desire only the promotion that comes from God. Let me tell you about somebody who had the opportunity to take a shortcut. God had told David when he was a young man that you're going to be king of Israel someday. You're going to be the king. God's man, Samuel, said, you are going to be the king. And David trusted God enough to know that that was going to come to pass. Now, he didn't tell him when that was going to be. So when David was about 17, we all know he killed the enemy giant, the Philistine named Goliath. That would be a good time to become king, right? <laughs> he grew to be he 18 and 19 and 20. And things just seemed to get worse and worse in his life. 21, 22, he became a fugitive. So this country where he's supposed to be king, he has been placed now at the top of their most wanted list. The king has made David public enemy number one. And one day when he's in his 20s, on the run from King Saul because King Saul has become a bitter envious man King Saul and his armies are chasing David and his crew but King Saul and his armies got careless they were up in the mountains they said this looks like a good place to camp and so the king of Israel makes his camp goes to sleep and the men who stood guard around him 
they also went to sleep. Well, here comes David and his men. And then here's David. I see him looking through the binoculars. Well, binoculars would be this, wouldn't it? He said, that's King Saul over there. And they're all sleeping. Everybody in his camp is sleeping. So he and his men cross over. And just, I mean, you, can, you just, they're, they're, they're laughing about it. King Saul and his men are in a deep sleep. And there's King David and his, or, or young David and his men just standing there. Saying, look at this. We could kill them all if we wanted to. And one of David's buddies says, if you'd let me put a, a sword through King Saul right now, you'd be king. And David said, no. We cannot lift up our hands against God's anointed. So David cuts off a piece of Saul's royal garment, a, 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 a piece of his garment that couldn't possibly be duplicated. It only belongs to the king. And he goes a great way off, and then he calls across and says, he wakes King Saul and his men up. And he holds up that piece. They're out of range to be shot or hurt. He holds up that piece of Saul's garment and says, um, Do your soldiers have a good nap? Look what I've got. And King Saul looks down and realizes and sees it's been cut off of his own coat. David said, King Saul, you've accused me of wanting to kill you. I could have if I wanted to, but I didn't. And then King Saul starts, oh, David, my boy, I'm sorry. sorry." But then his heart turned right back again. Do you know that happened not once but twice? On two different occasions, David had the opportunity to take a shortcut to success. And he said, I can't take that shortcut without disobeying God, so I will not take it. And you are on your way, as you're being led by the mighty hand of God, you will be tested. And you will be offered many a shortcut if you take this shortcut. Man, I was just reminded of of this. I'll tell it quickly, but we were meeting in the VFW Hall in Brewster. We were there for 10 years. And we did everything to try to find a building. And one of the things, one time a, a, a real estate guy called me and he said, Pastor, he introduced himself. He said, he's, I mean, it's a, it's a significant guy. He's, he's building a motel in Brewster right now. He said, um, I had a great idea. So I got a piece of property. And he said, uh, I want to use that property for churches, for faith, people of faith. I said, okay. He said, I want to build a building for you. So, okay. I was, I started to get excited. He wants to build a building for us. He said, yeah. He said, now I'm going to ask you to put some money in, but he said, it's going to, we're, we're, we're going to do this together. I'm thinking, okay, who's the we here? Here was his plan. Ultimately, he was going to get together four different faiths that met on different days of the week. For example, the Muslims meet on Friday The Jews meet on Saturday. You guys meet on Sunday. We'll all work together to build one building and have one faith community. 
And he said, it'll cost you about a quarter of the price. And I'll provide the property. You don't have to buy the property. He said, but we'll build this. And I don't know how he thought he was going to make any money. I'm sure he had a plan for that because he was, he was a slick dude. But I said, you know what? I appreciate you, you thinking of us. And I, think, I don't know how you, you know, uh, but, but thank you for including us. But I said, that's just not. He said, why? I don't understand. He said, this would be great for your congregation. I said, that's just not going to work for us. And by the way, I didn't take any time to explain my convictions and why, you know, I'm sorry, we're just not going to. But you know what it was? It was a shortcut. And I knew God's, God's not in this. I didn't have to think about that one. I have to pray about it. There's sometimes some things are so against the principles of God's word. You say, well, what principle is there? How about this one? What fellowship hath light with darkness? And it's not about other people and who they are. It's about your beliefs. I mean, I'm, okay, picture a sign out there, one big sign. At that time, we were called Calvary Baptist Church. Calvary Baptist Church and, uh, you know, whatever, uh, you know, Beth, whatever. And uh, under that, uh, the, the, the mosque and, you know, whatever else he included in there. It wasn't about the people and bashing people. It's about principle. And I knew it was a shortcut and I couldn't take it. Desire only the promotion that comes from God. Lastly, we're all done here. Trust the timing of the mighty hand of God. Humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time. That's the hardest part, perhaps, about being led by the mighty hand of God, trusting God's timing. God doesn't always act instantly like we want him to. Sometimes the things that we want to have happen in a, in a month, God says, no, it's going to take about six years. Sometimes the things we want to have happen in a year, God says, it's going to take about 10 years. Galatians 6, 9 says, in due season, we shall reap if we faint not. David said, wait on the Lord, be of good courage. He shall strengthen thine heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. And David's a good example of waiting on the Lord because after being told when he was in his teens, his early teens, that he was going to be the next king, he didn't become king till he was 30 years old. I know I've said this a lot recently, but I'll say it again. Listen, if you're going to live for God and you're a teenager saying, I want to live for God, let me tell you, the decade of your 20s is going to be a very difficult de- decade. And I say that based upon the examples given in the Word of God. Young people that said, I want to live for God. And God said, okay, the, the decade of your 20s is going to be a time of testing. You want maybe the best example of that? There's many. But you know what? Maybe the best is the fact that what do you know about the life of Jesus Christ when he was 20, 21, 25, 28? 29, nothing. When did Jesus start his public ministry? When he was 30 years old. Testing, challenge, difficulty, wait on the Lord. Wait on the Lord. Do you want to be led by the mighty hand of God? The mighty hand of God will take you to places in life that you could never otherwise go and bring you to joy that you will never otherwise find. I beg you. I beg you to let the mighty hand of God lead you through 
this difficult life. Let's bow our heads for prayer. Father.